Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. I want you to turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to try to share a word for you, and it's, um, I'm kind of feeling two things. I'm, I'm in between the, the Bible teacher in me and the prophet in me. And so I don't know which one's going to come out today, maybe a little bit of both. I want to teach you some things so that we can have a foundation to walk on stuff. But let's just start in Ephesians chapter 2. I want to talk to you about being the church. One thing to go to church, it's another thing to be the church. And so Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, when you got it, say got it. And you... Somebody say, he's talking about me. He made alive who were dead in trespass and sins, in which you once walked according to the course or pattern of this world, principles of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. That's who I was. That ain't who I am. Verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, meaning our nature, our identity, were were children of wrath just as the others. But God, I love that but God right there. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he has loved us. What was his motivation? Love. What's the motivation in everything God does? Love. When he confronts you, it's love. When he corrects you, it's love. Everything he does is love. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And watch this. He and raised us up together. Not will raise, but past tense raised us up together, and made us sit together. Again, not future. This is talking about past for those who are in Christ. Something that's already done. I know you're sitting up in church, but for those who are in Christ, you're also seated in heavenly places. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are in the one who sits on the throne. Verse 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, meaning your ability, what you can do, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. That means we're his Poetry, we're his poem, we're his work of art, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father, in Jesus' name, open our eyes, open our minds. Thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that our hearts and lives would be transformed by renewing our minds with this truth. In Jesus' name. So in that first thing on your notes, this is a statement I want you to get. We are saved 
by grace, through faith, for works. Now, recently I was reading a book. We, uh, Pastor Jeff and Lori took Sarah and I down to a conference, and I'm still unpacking what happened in this ramp to relaunch season. We went to this conference, and uh, God just is working some things in us. Uh, Rick Clendenin, who is a spiritual father to me for years, always said, when God wants to bring increase into your life, he'll connect you into a new relationship. Because that person in that he's connecting you to is operating in something that Jesus has already given you, but you're not operating in it yet. And so he brings somebody, the person doesn't give it to you, Jesus gives it to you. Impartation is about not what somebody gives to you, it's what Jesus Christ, because I don't want what you have to give. I don't want what a man has to give. I want what Christ has to give through a man. And so we were connected in this um, uh, apostle and pastor, Jim Rayleigh, in one of the books I've been reading since I've come back, praying about some different things because there's lots of things that happen that are, that are a shift in our life. And Sarah and I are praying through some of these things. But there's a statement that I, that I saw him make, and I could almost hear his voice saying it in the book, and it's connected to this statement that we are saved by grace through faith for works. We are saved by grace through faith for works. And that you need to understand that statement if you want to experience everything Jesus has died for you to experience in the ramp to relaunch season. And the enemy to you knowing more of what Christ has called you to be, do, have, and give, the enemy to that is your comfort. It's your complacency. And so you need courage to understand we, we, which includes I, but extends to we. So you don't want to limit what God is doing in the, eye, in the I, and don't you dare limit with your preference or with your comfort what God is doing in the we. You don't limit what God is doing in the I, and you don't limit what God's doing in the we. And when you watch God doing something on the we level, the corporate level, the, the body level, you don't get jealous. Why are they getting blessed? And why is that? Why, what about me? What about me? Don't let the we, don't let, don't let your dysfunctional we bring a dysfunctional, uh, a dysfunctional me bring a dysfunctional we. It should not be a jealous thing of, oh, look, look, why is God doing that? How come they get that? How come they get that? What about me? That's limiting the Holy One of Israel. The real work should be, if it's happening in the we, Lord, I know it can happen in me. I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for your promises and all that you've done. And it should stir up faith. Celebration. Celebrate when somebody else gets blessed. Celebrate when breakthrough happens, even if you weren't the voice that brought the breakthrough. You celebrate it. That's what I love about Pastor Jeff and, and myself. There's no competition. That's what I love about what Rick Clendenin brought in my life with Donald Sims and Dale Yurt and all the other brothers, uh, Richie Clendenin and all the other. There's no competition because we're family. No competition. And that really stood out to me while we were at that conference is there's no competition. See, a lot of churches and conferences and networks, there's lots of competition. People jockeying for a position. I don't want a position that Jesus doesn't give me. 
And so in order for us to under, in order for us to be the church, in order for us, we, to be the church, in order for me and we, I and us, to be the church, there's some things we got to get. And it comes out of this statement. We are saved by grace through faith for works. I want that to drive home in you so that we are saved. That's word, the word saved is sozo, and I don't have time to break down the full definition, but the root, the root sozo is the root of the word Savior and the root of the word salvation. So our Savior is a sozo Savior. It's a Greek word, sozo. It's, a, it's our Savior, the root of his, of his being and the root of His salvation. Our Savior brings salvation. Now listen to me very carefully. Listen to me very carefully. I said this earlier this week to somebody, and I just want to say it to you. It just came to my mind, so I want to say it to you. Our Savior is not just Savior. He's Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's not your life coach. He's Lord. He's not here just to uh, love. I love what Garrett says. Agree with what Garrett says about the adjustments. We need to make adjustments. And Jesus puts coaches in our lives who are not our Lord's. But none of our coaches can become our lords. So our Lord can give us a life coach, but our life, co- but our life coach is never our Lord. And Jesus is not our life coach. We bow before him. We bow before him. We honor him. We take his word as from not just Savior, but from Lord. But the root of this lordship and salvation, the root of it is sozo. And sozo means to rescue. We were singing about it earlier. I didn't, they didn't know what I was teaching on. They didn't know I was going to be teaching on this. And so talking about this rescuing that we were singing and declaring about, about, you know, he's rescued us. He's rescued us. So that word sozo means rescued, delivered, healed, and made whole. It speaks about being delivered out of. Circle that two words, out of. Delivered out of the curse. Jesus became a curse for us. He became the curse for us. There's this amazing ex- exchange that happens. And matter of fact, somebody else told me something this week, um, uh, and they don't want me to share who it was. They don't, but I'm going to because it's revelation. It shows you that God will use anybody. And this person knows I love him. Dean Owen this week <laughs> said he was talking about, praying about some stuff, and he felt like he heard a voice and just wanted to double check, which is good. When you hear stuff, you need to go to people that know the Lord and say, hey, I think this is the Lord. What do you think? But was talking about this, this exchange. And I'm just going to tell him what he did. What he did, he came up and he gave me his cell phone that has his wallet connected to it. He gave me his cell phone. He said, he said here, I'm giving you my cell phone and, and you give me yours. And, of course, my wallet's not connected to my cell phone. Uh, his, his wallet is. So I almost just got up out of the room and said, thank you, Dean. Praise the Lord. <laughs> just walked away. And so he's like, everything I have, all the credit cards, all the accounts, all the stuff, all that I have here is now yours. And I take all that you have. That's the exchange at the cross that our Lord and Savior gives us. And I won't take you through the whole thing. It was really funny and really good. But, but then, so he, he takes our guilt, our shame, our sin. He takes the curse. And he gives us the blessing. And every, everything assigned to the curse comes with the curse. Everything assigned to the blessing goes with the blessing. There's an exchange. And the dean brought up this thought. And I might not say it exactly the way he did, but he brought up this thought. He said, so if I end up getting uncomfortable or scared or weary or confused with the blessing, and I end up wanting my phone back, 
Because even though my life, even though the curse, you know, the curse can end up being comfortable. The shame and the guilt becomes a false identity that when you don't have it anymore, you don't know who you are. And you don't, you end up not making your new identity about the blessing of the Lord that you feel like you're missing something. You feel like you're lacking and you're lacking what Jesus wanted you to lack. But you end up wanting to take back and go search and take back the guilt, take back the shame, take back the old thing, take back the curse. And what Dean brought out is, Pastor John, isn't that stealing? If Jesus really took it and you take it back, you're stealing something that is no longer yours. Because you don't believe what was his is now yours. So you end up believing what now is his and what he nailed to the cross to take out of the way. You end up taking it back. So you're blessed, but you're living like you're cursed. And the curse has no power over you except for the, the unbelief in the blessing, which is belief in the curse that gives the enemy a foothold to work it in your life. So don't steal. Don't take back what Jesus took from you. And so he rescued you, he delivered you out of the curse and rescued you from, circle that word from, rescued you from the person, the power, and the penalty of sin. But then the second part of the salvation, the second part is delivered you into or delivered you unto the blessing, and he rescued you for, circle that word for, he rescued you for the person, the power, and the promise of righteousness. That's why the heartbeat of the kingdom is seek first the kingdom of God, which means I'm seeking first the king and his kingdom and his righteousness. He took your unrighteousness, became unrighteous, so that you could become righteous. Now listen to me, righteous or good works, doing good things will never make you righteous. Doing good works will never produce righteousness. But you having been made righteous by faith will always produce good works. Always produce good works. So that word Colossians, I love that, that scripture there in Colossians 1.13. For he has, past tense, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. That's a false kingdom. And brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. So, so when we say we are saved by grace, we are saved by grace through faith for works, you have to know there's been an exchange. You have to know that it's not exchanging, it's been exchanged. It's not in layaway, I got it. It's not on hold, and it's a, I got a ticket, it's in layaway, and when I die, it's going to be appropriated to my account. Righteousness is appropriated to my account, just like Abraham when I believed. And so now I get to walk in that right, I'm in a, I am righteous in an unrighteous world, in an unrighteous flesh, but my flesh is not who I am. And so if we're going to be the church, we got, we got to realize we're a saved church. And being a saved church means we have been rescued. 
We have been delivered. Tell your neighbor, say, I've been rescued. Say, I've been delivered. So if, you're gonna, if we're going to walk in the church that he's created us to be, we have to understand we're not being rescued. Uh, in, we have been rescued. And because we've been rescued, ma- rescue manifests through our life. It's what God has done. Everything God is doing comes out of what he's done. So we have to believe we are saved. We are saved. And when you know you're saved, there's a line in the sand. There's a before and an after. There's a a death and a burial and a birth. There's an old life and a new life. And there's a clear distinction between the two. So it has to happen in you, in you as an individual, in me as an individual, and in we as a corporate family, body, and community. We have to look at us, we have to look at me and look at us and begin to say for those who are in Christ, That we are new creations. Garrett talked about it. We are new creations in Christ. The old has gone and the new is here. We are saved. That there would be a value and an honor put to this phrasing instead of letting it be be nullified and neglected and watered down. That there's no weight to the word of saying we are saved. Like we are saved. That's that's the greatest miracle there is. Some of you who are saved aren't living saved because you don't believe that salvation was a miracle. It's a thing you did at church that's become ordinary in your life and you've gotten way too comfortable with the fact that Jesus saved you. And you're thankful for what he saved you from, but you don't fully know what he saved you for. you got to get a vision for what he saved you for. When you get a vision for what he saved you for, you you won't be as tempted as much to go back to what he saved you from. And some of you who can't get past your past and into your God-given future, it's not anybody else's fault but yours. And I love you enough to tell you. So you need to get this heartbeat. You need to get this personal vision and corporate vision. We are saved. We have been rescued. We have been delivered from and to that the package of God's blessing in my life is not missing. It's, it's, not, it's not lost somewhere. It's been delivered. I have been delivered. I've been delivered. So by grace means God's, and this the Bible teacher is going to, I'm, I'm going to skim through this because each one of these points could be a whole series unto themselves. So Lord Jesus, one, two, skip a few, let's do it. Okay. By grace means God's acceptance, accomplishment, circle the word accomplishment, and ability. See, you accomplish nothing. I accomplish nothing. Anything we, anything we achieve, it's because we've received it. So the grace of God is the, is the acceptance, the, the affectionate acceptance. God says, I love you, I accept you. Grace is the accomplishment. It's the fulfilled word and finished work of Jesus Christ. It's the work of grace. It's the work that he did. He fulfilled the word. He did what you and I and no one else could do. He did it. So it's his accomplishment. It's what he finished. It's what we don't defeat the devil. He defeated the devil. 
And it's then, his, uh, through his resurrection, it's his ability given to us that the king who sits on the throne also sits inside of us, who's born again. If you're not born again, he don't, he don't live inside of you. And so faith is our response. Circle the word response, because response means responsibility. To his finished work of grace. There's a lot I could say about faith. ton I could say about faith. I'm just going to let it go today. But faith is your response to his finished work. I believe what you did, not what my flesh is doing. I believe what you did, not what they are doing. I believe in what you did, so I stand in that. You know why? Because I am saved. I've been delivered from and delivered to. So I'm going to walk in that. It's the greatest reality in my life. I'm saved. I'm saved. By grace, God's accomplishment. Through faith, my response to his accomplishment. For good works. And that word good works is a really cool phrase in the Greek, but it speaks to his intention or his intent. His intent being empowered by Christ. And, and so what that means is being empowered by Christ in me. So what that means is that God had an OG, an original intention, an original purpose. So he had, he's the creator. He's the originator. He's the creator. And so he creates with this intention. And so his intention is spelled out by grace through faith for works. The thing that he wants to do through your life. Now, he can do it through my life. He can do it through anybody's life. But there's a unique beauty when he chooses to do it through your life. There's a unique beauty. I love this. I love this. And I'm, I'm so past. I'm, I'm growing so much in this. Just being raw and real with you so you can be raw and real. And what I'm about to say is the reason why some people don't come to Faith Center. And it's the reason why some people do. And I'm only responsible to the people who, I'm only responsible to pastor the people who respond to my voice. I will never change my voice to get people to respond. I won't ever do it. I got to be me. Whoever Christ is in me, I've got to be me. You know, he'll take the bad things, he'll work them out for good. And it's his intention. See, my intention would be different. See, here's the deal. It's just funny. It's just funny how God works. He has this intention to work out this good work, but he even uses, he even will use, he doesn't create the bad thing. He doesn't create the, the dark thing, but he'll use it if you give it to him. So here's the, here's the foolishness and the wisdom of God. Here's the foolishness of man and the wisdom of God all at the same time. And I'm just telling you, you've got to be confident to say, I'm saved. And I know the work that God has for me. Now, you need trusted relationships to help you through this. But here's how it's worked out in my life. And this is the insecurity that I have drawn a line in the sand. And I'm crossed over. I've been divorced. Some of you have been divorced, you know the pain of it. And it doesn't matter, you know, biblically, here's, here's what Christians do. They look at it and say, well, who's, who's biblically the fault? It, it doesn't matter. God's plan is never divorce. Now, there's circumstances that if, if they're there, they need to be walked through with, with wise counsel and all that stuff. But here's the deal. 
it doesn't matter because nobody's fully right and nobody's fully wrong. So I've been divorced and I tried to quit the ministry, tried to walk away. When I went and prayed to the Lord about it, I felt like he was like, this is the phrase, the phrase you hear me say all the time is a phrase I heard at this moment in my life when I was like trying to walk away and quit and just like, I can't, I can't do it. Um, and I felt like the Lord told me, I have pre-calculated your ability to mess things up. And so what's funny to me is I am now prepared, even though the bad things that have happened in my life, I am now prepared for the good work of a marriage uh, conference that some people won't come to because they know I'm divorced. And what they don't realize is God took the pain and shame and every hard thing about that, the rejection of that and every hard thing about that, and he's worked it out for good. And I'm a vessel that can help you more than you know. And I do everything I can, and Sarah does everything we can to help people not get divorced. And you know, one of the ways to really help that is to try to help some people not get married. You think you need a man. His, yeah, you do. His name is Jesus. That's what you need. But it's just funny to me. We are the church. I am saved. That means I'm delivered from and I'm delivered to the good work he wants to do through my life that he pre-calculated that I can't even keep up with. Because my thing is like, why would you use me? So many other people can do it better. And the reality is, if I was walking in my insecurity, this is what my mindset would be. If I was just raw, when I get down deep into depression, I don't, I don't, I don't live there long. But the times that I wrestle and struggle and darkness comes upon me, and I get so I'm about to what I'm about to say is at the lowest of my lows. If you walk away and, and tell, here's what I learned at church, and you only share this part, we're going to have a problem. But when I'm at the lowest of my lows and the, the enemy is using the insecurities to lie to me and shut down the good work that God's wanting to do, that God intends to do, what he'll say is, whoo, thank God Pastor Jeff came. Because now you have a man who's never been divorced, who can come take this pulpit. And you, sorry excuse for a pastor. Can't go do something else. But when I listen to the Spirit of God, and I walk in the Spirit of truth, God sending Pastor Jeff and Lori here is confirmation to the good work and calling of what he still called me to be, do, have, and give. And that same math, you need to understand because you get attacked just like I do. And I get attacked just like you do. And what's funny to me... <laughs> Who I talk to other pastors that think they have problems 
and they, they, struggle, they struggle with the same depression and the same weight, even to the point of suicide. Other pastors that are struggling with just all this stuff. And then the, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, like what, ha, what have you gone through? And they tell me, and I'm like, that's nothing. You've not been divorced. That little thing that you're, it's like, what are you talking about? And I'm not trying to minimize somebody else's pain, but I'm just telling you that that because sometimes we 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 have this weird thing, and it happens to me too. I just real I, I don't stay there. I, I end up praying for the person and walking it through. But sometimes we compare ourselves to other people, and we do it in an unhealthy, distinctive. It's not good. It's not wise that we do that. So it has to happen. Is you 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 know what? For me, in that darkness and in that struggle, even when I talk to other people, I have to turn my eyes to Jesus. Because if not, I'll start thinking weird, those thoughts that I just talked about, and start thinking and going down, comparing myself to other people, and blah, blah. And it just, and sometimes you compare yourself to other people and it pulls you up, gives you a little false pep to only bring you back down. So that's why you got to keep your eyes on Jesus and, 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 and listen to him. And so the good works is his intention, it's his intention operating through my life. Empowered by his grace, empowered by Christ in me, and empowered by his grace. So on the flip side, I want you to see this verse. It's Ephesians 3.10. If you keep reading in Ephesians, you'll find it. Ephesians 3.10, he says, his intent. Everybody say, his intent. His intent. Was that now. Somebody say, now. now. Ooh, I love that word, now. That his intent was that now, through the church... Through the church that the manifold wisdom of God should be, known, be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So the church is the ecclesia, the called out ones, the ones that have heeded the call to the Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And he has delivered you, he has saved you out of this world, out of your past, out of your old identity, into the kingdom, into the family of God, into a new identity with a new authority and a new destiny that you walk out in this earth and then for all eternity. We are saved. We are delivered. Why? To the intent that the delivered people, the saved people, the sozoed people, the people who have been rescued, the people who have been delivered, that their life becomes a testimony to display the wisdom of God. That means my foolishness when it's repented of and turned from my disobedience, when it's repented of and turned to God, He can even use my disobedience through, hum through hum humility and repentance. He can take the bad I did and the bad done to me, and He can work it out for good and show a wisdom, show a wisdom that baffles the angels, both God's angels and demonic angels. Because the angels of God are looking into this thing of salvation like, wow, how did you do this from that? You know what God's answer is? By grace. And then the demon angels, the rulers and principalities set up to... to to destroy the kingdom and to keep the kingdom from working or looking into it like, how did he do that? this from that? It's by grace, 
through faith for works. That the church, through the church, that the church, see, one, one side, of there's, there's religious-minded, tradition-minded people who don't understand Scripture, in my opinion, who teach that God uses the devil to teach the church a lesson. But it's just the opposite. God uses the church to teach the devil a lesson. <laughs> so you see the phrase, now we make it personal. I am. Everybody say, I am. I am saved by grace through faith for works. I want, I want you to get that in your heart. I am saved by grace through faith for works. I want you to remind yourself of that all week long when you're being tempted. I am saved. I am saved. I'm delivered from and I'm delivered to. It's already a finished work. It's already done. So you don't cry out, God, deliver me. You cry out, God, thank you for delivering me. I thank you that I'm delivered. So this situation, this emotion, this circumstance that I'm in, this battle, this pit that I'm in, I'm already delivered from it. So I start to praise him. And there's four things I just want to show you. I hope I'll, just, I'll give you the blanks and then I'll preach for a second. Let the prophet come out in a second. So here are the blanks. There's things that, about you being the church, you need to know this, that I am saved to be seated. I am saved to be seated. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So he saved me to seat me. And I am seated with Christ at the throne in heavenly places. That's why I come boldly to the throne of grace in my time of need. Because it's by grace through faith for works. So he saved me to seat me. And that's God's promised place for me. There's a promised place that right now, not when we die, Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. But right now, the place he has with us is in Christ at the right hand of the throne of God. Right now. I know you're seated in church, but you're also seated in Christ. And that's why years ago, God gave me a dream. God gave me a dream. And y'all remember the commercial we did years ago. Some of y'all might remember this. Um, where I saw an empty chair. And I knew it was God putting like a highlight and a focus on this empty seat. It's actually on this side of me. It's an empty seat on this side. And I heard the phrase, saving you a seat. And I knew God was calling me to pray for the empty seat. And we did commercials at that time. And people came from all over to sit in a seat to receive their miracle, to get saved. But even greater than the seat that you're sitting in right now, we saved you this seat so that you can know God saved you a seat. Those who, have, those who are sitting in great darkness have seen a light. Those who are sitting in darkness have seen a light. So you're sitting in sin, and you come to get a seat saved at church to realize that the one who sits on the throne has saved a seat for you. And you're dealing with here, but you're resting there. It's working here. It's working through here. It's finished there. The second one is I'm saved to be singing. I'm saved to be singing. And maybe the worship team could come up and give you hope that I'll end. I'm saved to be singing. That's God's promised praise 
from me. Earlier with Pastor Jeff and, and you guys, when y'all, y'all all came up and you're, and you're singing and you're praising, praise begins. See, you're delivered. You're saved. So you need to praise God. Uh, I'll tell you what will choke out and limit your praise is you don't believe the work is already done. You believe your circumstances. You believe your situation over what he's already done for you. But when you come and say, I'm going to praise the Lord today, some people may think I'm getting too crazy, whatever, because praise is not always loud. Praise can be quiet at times, and there's different times for both. Some of y'all need to get loud. Some of y'all need to get quiet. But you need to really have discernment to know when is it time to be loud, when is it time to be quiet. What is the Spirit of the Lord doing? But in order to do that, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. Because just because you're loud don't mean you're worshiping. Just because you're quiet don't mean you're worshiping. you got to come in with a song. you got to come in and say, God, I'm going to bless you. I am saved. You are my Savior. You are Lord. You are Deliverer. And I honor you and bless you for what you saved me from and what you saved me for and that it's done and that you have pre-calculated my ability to mess it up and that you work with me and you'll correct me if I, if I get off track. You'll redirect me if I need redirection. And you'll help me and you're you're at work in my life and your grace is at work in my life. Some of y'all, what would help you out to praise the Lord is stop focusing on what the enemy is doing. Is the enemy at work? Yes. Is your flesh at work? Yes. Is the people around you, their flesh at work? Yes. But God's at work. So to come in and just begin to, God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to bless you. There's a song in my mouth. There's a song of deliverance he sings over me. And there's a song of thanksgiving I sing to him. And Lord, I'm just going to bless you, God. I'm going to bless you. I'm just going to honor you. I'm going to love you. And some of you, the breakthrough that Jesus has already given you, but it ain't broke through yet, is because you won't praise. Praise. Praise, an abundance of praise, does not make up for a lifestyle of disobedience. But if you're going to have a lifestyle of obedience, you're going to praise. The third one is I am saved to be serving. To be serving. God saved you to serve. You're supposed to be serving. He's given you gifts. You should be desiring to serve. You should be walking in holiness and purity, getting your life in order so you can be a faithful servant of God. Nobody wants the pollution of your sin through what you serve. Just like when you go to, you know, that's why they, people, cooks and stuff, wear hats so their hair don't fall in your food. Nobody wants somebody's hair in their food. The food's good. The hair is bad. Nobody wants your nonsense in the serving. Nobody wants your undisciplined, unholy lifestyle in the serve that you do. We're a holy people, a saved people. And serving is such an honorable thing that we should approach it with holiness. Not perfection, because none of us is perfect. But a reverence and a holiness as I'm serving the Lord. So I'm going to have a holy attitude. I'm going to have a holy willingness. And some of you in this room, you've been going to this church, and I'm not talking to those who are already serving. I thank you for serving. For those in this room who you're just coming and you're sitting, but you're not serving, you need to start looking. You need to start. Some of you, it's, it's, you don't need to start serving right now. You need to get your life in order and not perfect again, but there's some things, and we'll help you deal with that. 
you come. You come talk to us. Just sign up for Discovery. Come talk to us. We want to help you. Matter of fact, right after service today, right, at, right after service today, there's going to be two altars. There'll be one up here and then one in the, in the main lobby. And as soon as, I, as soon as I open up the invitation here in a few minutes, anybody in this room who you are currently not serving, but you're like, you know what, Pastor? I think I do want to walk down that path. I think I am ready to start serving. We'll help you. We're not going to set you, throw you out there to the wolves. We'll help you. And you don't got to walk in insecurity like, is my life too messed up and I can't do it? We'll tell you. <laughs> Seriously. We'll tell you. Because we want, we're not trying to keep you out of ministry. We don't pull up these things in your life if you're struggling with something that's, that's pulling you down. And everybody struggles, but some people are stuck. And if you're stuck in something, we're going to help you. And maybe it's not your season to serve, but you should be preparing for your season to serve. And so if you're not serving anywhere, you come and all we're going to do is we're going to get your name and maybe start a conversation because there's so many things that, that we need help with to help you serve. And so right as soon as I, I, we, I say amen and we start singing, Pastor Jeff is going to be out in the, in the lobby and you can go out there and you can talk to him, get your name on a list. Only for the people who are not serving currently. That's what I want. Because we've been saved to serve. And the last one, uh, and that's God's power working through us. And the last one is I'm saved to be sent. I'm saved to be sent. And that's God's promised purpose. Not for you. Notice it's not for you. That's God's promised purpose for them. God wants to reach the people you don't. Jesus has died for the people you wouldn't die for. Jesus loves the people you don't like. Jesus has, given, Jesus has offered eternity to the people you wouldn't give the time of day to. And He saved you to seat you. He saved you to be seated. He saved you to be singing, that you come with a praise to the Lord. He saved you to be serving, that God would operate through your life and people would be surprised. How does that kind of power come from that kind of person? And then he saved you to be sent. Because he wants you to represent him to people that don't know that he loves them. To awaken them and equip them for their God-given And you carry the message of the gospel. You as an ambassador of Christ. Your life and your lifestyle carries this message as a sent one. You're a sent one who carries this love letter from Jesus. As he loves you to meet you right where you're at. But he also loves you enough to change you and transform you. To bring you to where he created you to be. There's a purpose for your life. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. There's a purpose for your life. You know, here's what we're going to do. So now there's three things. Three things. One, if you're here and you're not serving and you're interested in finding out what that looks like, you go to the back, get your name on the list, you can come back in and worship. 
The second one is all parents. I want you to go get your kids and listen to me. I want you to come back in here and I want you to literally tell your kids, mommy and daddy are going to praise. Don't just bring them in like, stop it, be quiet, stop it, stop it, stop it. Let them, let them, within reason, let them do whatever. And every one of you, oh, they're a distraction. I can get it, kids being a distraction during teaching time. I can get that. But we're praising the Lord. And the best thing your kids could see is you and the rest of the church family. It may not be your kids. Hey, listen, it may not be your kids. And I'm so thankful for the older kids who are in here but these younger kids need to come in and they need to see a community of people praising the Lord. This world shows them so much stuff. They need to see a community of people that your praise should make them ask questions. And their first question might be like, Mom, Dad, how come you don't do that at home? Be like, baby, we're working on that. We're working on that. We're going to do that more at home. We're going to do that. in the, Mommy, Dad, that ain't the music you listen to in the car. We're working on that, baby. We're working on that. And as a church family, even if it's not your kid, I want the kids to see their pastor worshiping the Lord. And they need to see you worshiping the Lord. Matter of fact, go get your kids. Go get your kids. And for the ones that I'm leaving my kid a little bit longer, go get your kid. And... If there's, I, don't, I might have just messed everything up, but if there's altar team people who don't have kids back there, come on up. <laughs> We're going to worship the Lord. And listen to me, if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, you've never said, Jesus, I surrender my life. You've never given your life to Christ. You've been running from God and you don't have a confidence. You don't have a certainty that if you were to die today that you would be with Jesus in heaven. That he's, You don't know if He is your Savior and your Lord. If you don't know in your knower, then you can come to these people and say, I'm ready to begin a relationship with Jesus. I'm ready to surrender my life to Christ. You can come as we worship. And for those who you're not serving anywhere, but you need, you know it's time for you to start. You can go, Pastor Jeff is out there, you can go see him, and then you can come back in and worship. The rest of us, let's stand. If you need prayer for anything, you can come receive prayer. Father, we bless you, we worship you, we give you praise, we give you thanks. We glorify you, Lord. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you bless and move amongst your people in Jesus' mighty name. Let's worship Him and respond for prayer. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.